This is episode 158 of Shades Midweek. This is a podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things shades. We welcome you if you're listening for the first time. We record this podcast in Three Streams Studio right here at Shades Valley Community Church. And I'm joined by Brad Brown, Jonathan Hafes. I'm John Mark DeRoe. Guys, it's great to have you all here with us in the booth uh, once again. Feels like we're welcoming Brad back for the second time. It does. Yep, it's good to no be back. No applause this time. Sorry. <laughs> the studio audience is coldly staring at me this time. Oh. It's good to be back. Yes, last week I was overwhelmed. Uh, nobody cares. Let's with move the demands. <laughs> with the demands Jeez. of school. And uh, so I took some time away. For some reason, the podcast wasn't on the top of my priority list. So I, I fail to understand why. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, don't it's, know why. it's on mine and John Mark's. So For some reason, it's not on my wife's either. I don't know why. <laughs> we'll have to talk about that. Oh, man. Well, But we, it's good to be back in it, the warmth of Three Stream Studio. It's good to have you back. The fire's going. We do have a lot to cover today, gentlemen. So should we dive into the things that we need to dive into? Yeah. Like maybe what's going on in the world of music yeah let's do it James album of the week never thought I'd end up this way waking up by myself James album of the week this week what is called we're created by being destroyed it comes from an artist named son of cloud son of cloud he started his own little music production company a long time ago, maybe a decade ago now, called Mason Jar Music. I think they've worked with Josh Garrels and some other folks, and he just put out a record here. When was when this come out? April 10th, 2023, brand new. This song is called Consider It Joy. I'll let you listen to a little bit of it. Digging it. Yeah, it's cool. It's Christian, right? Yeah, that's my assumption. I mean, I'm, I'm getting those vibes. Yeah, well, that's like my the, assumption. Uh, titles. When he started playing the music and then said the the name of the album, I was like, man, it yeah. sounds like he's picking up on like some Jeremiah Potter's wheel kind of uh, vibes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I didn't think it was Christian music based on like when you started playing it, like the production and all of that yeah. kind of stuff. But it's, I mean, it's consider good. it joy. Yeah. If not, then this dude is <laughs> he's, grew, he's up all, the, grew up in the church or something. Right, yeah, something. I, I saw Young Oceans post about it. I think it was either, well, it was either Young Oceans or Andy Squires that posted about him and the record coming out. So I immediately added it to my library when it was released. Oh, okay. And I've enjoyed it. I, I haven't listened to it a whole lot uh, because I've, I'm, honestly, I've just been spinning the Metallica album uh, nonstop. <laughs> That I featured last week in Jam's album of the week, uh, but uh, oh, this is it. this is nice. Yeah, you missed the the new Metallic album. Yeah. Sorry, Brad. Track six is Taste and See. I mean, it's a, it's it's good. Come on, Taste and See is really good. Lyrically, yeah. it's like really strong. Okay, so wow, uh, check that out, everybody. Son of Cloud. Apparently, he was born in the states and uh, lived in I guess South Africa for a while. 
And so Son of Cloud is like a name that someone gave him as a child, like a, someone from the village there. So, uh, yeah. I was wondering about that. I don't know. His whole, born in the flatlands of Texas, raised in the jungle. Oh, sorry. Raised in the jungles of South America. Uh, was dubbed Son of Cloud as a child by the Yucpa indigenous tribe of Venezuela. So there's a little behind the scenes for you. I believe he lives in New York now. Check out his music, Son of Cloud. Let me know what you think of it. Maybe you already know who he is. I saw Grant Primo follows him on Instagram. So of course, maybe Grant can email into the show and tell us. Grant how much knows he about loves everything happening. He does. All right. Well, you know what that means. Actually, what does that mean? What well, are we doing? It means are we are we going to a book? Are we killing a segment? Are we John Mark? What are we doing? I felt like in honor of Easter tide. The fact that it is still the Easter season that we needed to continue celebrating that with a death and a resurrection today. So, ladies and gentlemen, much to my sadness, today I announce the death of happening in the ham. But here's the deal. I'm not I'm not too grieved over this. Like we pride ourselves on bringing you premium podcast content. And premium. I I recognize two things. One that there is such a thing as too many segments. There's such a thing as too many segments. And we don't want to do that. We want to have this perfect balance. And two, I can also recognize when there is a person who has a particular gifting and skill that I simply cannot replace. And so today, while I announce one death, I would like to also announce a resurrection. Coming back from the grave, Bradford's Book Club. You really showed a lot of humility there, Jonathan. I know, I was waiting for the punchline. No, it wow, was, guys. It was all good things. <laughs> By the way, I'm going to experiment with this new thing with our podcast software where I can add chapters to the podcast episode. Well, one nice. of the things I was wondering as I was talking with the team from Bradford's Book Club is do we need a new intro? Uh, and the previous artist uh, <laughs> uh, did a wonderful job, but I'm wondering if that artist could do another intro with a different kind of vibe, maybe a little shorter. <laughs> Um, Are you feeling insecure after hearing the uh, well? Let the me tell you about intro. Let me tell you about a conversation <laughs> I had, and I'll go ahead and call her out, and she might be upset, but that's okay. One of the things I love is that EA Henderson is always <laughs> so honest with me, and she told me that she listened to the podcast this past week. She goes, "I normally don't listen to the podcast because I can't stand all that talking at the beginning." <laughs> And you know what? I you know, kind of you know understood. Part, you know where that part where y'all are from. all real personal and share what's going on in your lives, and we get a window into the relationships you share. I can't stand it. So, Thanks, Ian. So naturally, my response is, let's just shorten the intro, and I think that'll solve it. So that's why that came to mind. I'll put that in the artist's court and let him think about it. Well, I think the chapters are going to help fix that because then people will just be able to like. S- Click on skip. the chapter yeah. and be like, oh, this is the Bradford's chapter. I'm going to skip that and skip the book club. I'm going to skip the album of the week, whatever, and just go to whatever they, they want to hear. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, <laughs> looking forward to that new intro for next week. <laughs> the book that I have. No pressure, Jean-Marc. 
today is a book that is a little unusual. Most books want to teach you something, want to tell you something, want to persuade you in some way. But here is a book that is trying to help you uncover what you already believe. Hmm. The book is titled, Why Is There Suffering? Pick Your Own Theological Expedition. So did anybody do the Choose Your Own Adventure books as a kid? Uh, yes, I, I, I did. I gave up on them pretty quick uh, because I would always just die. <laughs> I'd make the wrong decision every time. All right, a lot to explore there with Jonathan, but... <laughs> Yeah, so I'm overwhelmed just by looking at this. So I've just passed a chart to John, Mark, and Jonathan to give them a little taste of the book. What's really interesting about this book is this is a book that you might give to someone who isn't a Christian or someone that doesn't know if they're a Christian or not. And essentially what the book does is it asks the question, why is there suffering? And then along the way, you basically choose uh, where you want to go. So like the first question, what is God like? There is no God. God exists, but he doesn't love us. God is love. Which one of those are you going to choose? So you choose that, and it takes you to a certain chapter. It's a, it's a flow chart. <laughs> it's a flow chart. And then the next chapter, there it's going to talk about God being love, and then it's going to give different options. And all of it is uh, this attempt for people to kind of uncover what they believe and where that might kind of logically lead them. So, like I said, you know, sometimes if you're talking with someone, they like, they're like, I don't know what I believe. And I think this book is written in kind of a way that it's not sarcastic or demeaning. And so it really could be a book you give to someone that, that doesn't know. And it could be a way of them being like, okay, I don't believe there is a God. Well, they would follow the flowchart to the different options. Um, so a very intriguing, a very interesting book. I came across this book because there's an, uh, a well-known apologist in Christian circles named Alistair McGrath. He is British. He's brilliant. He's written, you know, a book a day for the last 50 years. He, you know, is the head at Oxford, whatever, you know, all of that. And so he wrote the forward for it. So, uh, it's an intriguing book that I've dabbled a little bit in. Uh, even uh, there's even some chapters on uh, salvation for animals. <laughs> I love it. So anyway, kind of a fun book to explore. It's part of Zondervan's reflection series. I didn't know Zondervan had a reflection series, but apparently they do. Some of you might be familiar with Zondervan. So I, I just traced my path all the way through the flowchart and discovered this book would be a Fairly short read for me. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I didn't say the book was for you, did I? No, no, I'm just. I'm, I'm, I, I I think that I think y'all would be able to go through this flow chart for me, <laughs> pretty easily. Yeah, there's only one spot where I don't know like which direction it would take me. Well, it could even be, be interesting. interesting, you know, get together with a few people and see how people respond. Might might surprise you and open up a way for some conversation. So anyway. Why is there suffering? Pick your own theological expedition by Bethany and Soul Raider. It's a very interesting concept for a book. 
Like, yes. Yeah, it's it's very intriguing. Yeah, very different. Um, so, and it's a it's a book that I imagine would help you not only to uh, explore and uncover like what you believe, but explore like why other people come to the conclusions that they do. Yeah, that differ from you and can be very helpful in that way as well. So it's yeah, it's very intriguing. Exactly. It's yeah. it's almost like um, it reminds me of the four views series or the multiple views series. Like yes. I don't know if you've ever seen those where they'll take a mm-hmm. theological topic, um, and like suffering, and they'll have four different authors that have four different views on it, and they'll each write their own view and then interact with the others in subsequent chapters. Yep. So it's kind of similar to that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. This is a little bit more of an intriguing way of doing it. I don't know. It's, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's very intriguing. Yep. There you go. A little bit of a doozy as we start back up. Oh, what a great entry into the canon of Bradford's book club. The first one back from your sabbatical. Yep. After the resurrection of the segment. That's right. Okay, well, I have a diagram here that I'm going to pass out to you guys on how to get to the email corridor. Um, So you'll have to make very wise decisions. (laughs) I love it. Kenny McCants, Kenneth McCants wrote in, Greetings, gents. Been a while and thought I'd take a stroll down the old corridor. I just finished listening to the episode of the canonization of the Bible. Great listen. And got a kick out of the mention of the spring break at the zoo bit in the happening in the ham section. Well, Kenny, I got sad news for you. (laughs) (laughs) Not because I know anything about this event or participated in any way. But after hearing the title of the event, the phrase Spring Zoo Break came into mind, and it had me starting to think about a yet-to-exist movie surrounding animals running wild in the streets after a breakout at the zoo during spring break. Obviously a very half-baked idea, but I think the details can be worked out later. Am I ashamed that this is all I have to say about this very entertaining and informative episode? Yes. Is that going to stop me from pressing send on this email? No. <laughs> Thank you, Kenny, for writing in. I think that's a great premise for uh, a film in which comedic um, things <laughs> happen. I, I, I feel I feel like well that's a, I feel like that's a Kevin Hart, Dwayne the Rock Johnson uh, film waiting. Like they are both zookeepers in this film. Definitely. That's what I'm feeling right so it's here. It's kind of like Night 100%. at the Museum. Yeah. It's kind of like Night at the Museum, but with a zoo, basically. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, like, it feels like that movie's kind of happened in some <laughs> way. Doesn't it feel like all movies have kind of happened, though? There's some kind of breakout with animals you in know. the city. Yeah. Or dinosaurs or whatever. And then you had Ace Ventura, you know, which is, he's a pet detective. So a lot of animals in those movies doing things. Dr. Doolittle. Yeah. The studio might reject your bid, Kenny, <laughs> just to let you know. All of those other films made lots of money, though. I think that they'll just well, they might take it, crank then. it out, man. The reality is if you put The Rock in anything, it's going to make a lot of money. Well, so. you know, I was trying to ensure success yeah. at the box Doesn't office. he have the most followers on Instagram? Maybe. I, I think he does. I don't know. We'll fact check that <laughs> with our team. Oh, well, well, that was great. That was a trip yeah. down to the email corridor. Thanks, Kenny, for writing in. If you want to write in, just email midweek at shadesvalley.org. We would love to read your email. Well, 
shall we move along into what we've actually got today? To our next chapter. Yeah. Well, we're actually starting uh, today. I don't know if we've ever done this before, what we're about to do. Uh, we're going to tackle a, a theological conversation. We've done that before. This podcast where we talk about theology, culture, and all things shades. Uh, but we're going to have a multi-part conversation. So our plan is to do four episodes on the topic of spiritual gifts. Um, and one of the reasons being, you know, I we've done some teaching on spiritual gifts here before at Shades, but when I went back and looked at it, that was in 2012. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was before I was even here. And that makes me feel old. Right. And and so, you know, over a decade ago, and so I was like, man, um, you know, we don't necessarily, other than those sermons... Uh, have a place with some accessible teaching on spiritual gifts. And I don't necessarily have something right around the corner planned as far as like Sunday morning teaching goes. Uh, and so we're like, hey, let's, you know, maybe just have a podcast conversation uh, about the topic. So here's the plan moving forward. We're going to do uh, two episodes kind of about spiritual gifts in general uh, this week and next week. Um, and... So, so just to kind of outline that for you today, we're going to talk about what are spiritual gifts and how do I know what mine is. That's where we're going. Uh, next week, we'll talk through uh, just some examples of spiritual gifts that are given in Scripture. And then we're going to take two weeks to talk about some of the most controversial gifts. And when I say controversial, I just mean gifts that have the m- most amount of disagreement like, among Christians. Like hospitality. Right, Exactly. <laughs> Um, No, we're going to take a full week to talk about speaking in tongues and a full week to talk about the gift of prophecy. Uh, And we're going to get nitty gritty, like not only talking about what these gifts are and all that, but like what it means for us at Shades Valley Community Church. Like what does the practice of spiritual gifts look like here? It's exciting. Yeah. Here we go. Buckle up. (laughs) All right. So, yeah. So, like I said today, we're primarily going to tackle two questions. Uh, What are spiritual gifts, which is where we'll spend most of our time in this conversation? And then the second question, like, how do I know what my spiritual gifts or gift is, are, that kind of thing. The primary place to go in scripture to talk about these things is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 through 14 is the most in-depth discussion of spiritual gifts we get from the Apostle Paul. And this is what he says in chapter 12 and verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. So here's the thing we got to know, like coming off the top right here. Paul founded this church in Corinth, and this church has just a couple of issues. Uh, Corinth was a melting pot of a city, like the ancient version of um, a truck stop, if you will. (laughs) That's probably not an accurate. Like a Bucky's? That's not an accurate uh, uh, illustration. Corinth is, if you look at a map of Greece, it's on where the mainland of Greece is connected to what's called the Peloponnesian Peninsula. It's this little bitty land bridge. And so uh, it's a port city in that it gets squeezed by two oceans on either side, Uh, but it's also... uh, Uh, a main thoroughfare of land travel. So like when you're talking about trade in the ancient world, whether you're trading by land or whether you're trading by sea, like this is a massive uh, hub of trade. And so it's just this conglomeration of cultures and religions and 
it's just got everything going on yeah. there. Well, I think I think this is Corinth that essentially uh, someone was talking about doing their PhD on First Corinthians, and the church at Corinth kind of had thin walls in the sense that there was a lot of interaction with the city, and you kind of see that with like the lawsuits that are happening in the church that Paul talks about. And you have Christians that maybe it's like, okay, people are coming worshiping in the church, but then they're going and worshiping the idols. Right. right. I mean, there's a lot of kind of in and out. Right. Well, you got to think about the fact that so for, for a lot of us in our own church experience in America anyway, uh, the majority of people that we're going to be interacting with in our church settings, a lot of them grew up in church. Yep. You know, or second generation Christians or, or what have not. Um, nobody was that in first century Corinth. Everybody in this church came out of some kind of pagan backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they very naturally are going to import a lot of their culture and cultural practices just straight in the church. And we get that with spiritual gifts as well. Mm-hmm. But I, I give all that background to say this. First Corinthians is a response letter. Like, Corinth has written to Paul asking questions, and some of their questions concerned spiritual gifts. So that's why we get this, like, concerning spiritual gifts. Like, you had questions, I'm going to give you some answers. And he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Uh, That's the Greek word uh, agnoain. It's where we get our word agnostic, means without knowledge. In other words, Paul's like, "I, I want you to be knowledgeable about spiritual gifts, what they are, how to use them. And so the same is true for us. Like, this is why we want to have this conversation. You know, we don't want to be ignorant. That's literally what that word means. We, we don't want to be ignorant concerning spiritual gifts. So that just leads us to our first question. What are they? What is a spiritual gift? I'll start with a very basic definition that we could expand on a lot. A basic definition. A spiritual gift is a specific way the Holy Spirit empowers you for ministry within the body. Spiritual gift is a specific way the Holy Spirit empowers you for ministry within the body. And you can see immediately like why we don't need to be ignorant. You know, if we belong to the body, which that's the metaphor that Paul uses all throughout 1 Corinthians 12, is that mm-hmm. uh, One we... body, are, many members. Yeah, we are members of a church just like a physical body has lots of different body parts, you know. And so if we are a part of the body. Like we want all of our body parts to be working to contribute to the good of the whole, right? And so the same thing, like if we are all gifted by the Holy Spirit for the purpose of ministering to one another in the church, we need everybody to know um, how they've been gifted by the Spirit so they can be using that for the good of the church. It's like it's like we say at Shades, right? We are less without you, right? Mm-hmm. And that's meant in a real sense in that we believe if God brings you to be a part of the body at Shades Valley Community Church, part of the reason is because we need how the Spirit works through you here, you know? And so we need everybody to not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Ignorance and spiritual gifts can lead to, like, suffering in the body, it not functioning well and and properly. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a problem in Corinth. Like, like we said earlier, many of these people came out of pagan backgrounds where there were spiritual displays of power. Mm-hmm. Like you can look in the surrounding pagan culture in Corinth and find uh, practices of prophecy, for instance. You can find practices of speaking in tongues. You can find practices of quote-unquote miracles and healings and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and we can have a conversation about why that is and all that. 
Uh, but the point is, is that they would have categories of thinking about uh, spiritual power and displays mm-hmm. of spiritual power. And outside in outside the church, in their pagan experience, most of that was all about the person displaying that spiritual power. So spiritual power was about self-promotion. Mm-hmm. It was about the more I can engage in these quote-unquote spiritual practices, the more spiritual I look, the more elevated uh, I am. And so Corinth, the Corinthians were, were bringing that mindset into the church and thinking about Holy Spirit, spiritual gifts in the same way. They were thinking about them as a means of displaying their own spiritual prowess and about their own, uh, it was about their own self-promotion. Look yeah. at me, I'm super spiritual. It, what, they weren't about selfless service. Well, it's interesting because just thinking about it, that's how the pagan gods would have given gifts. Right. Flippantly. Yeah, for their own purpose, um, maybe in a manipulative way, a gift might have a blessing and a curse to it. Mm. So you have this whole kind of theology of gifts that's rooted in kind of a doctrine of the gods, and now all of a sudden they're bringing that in. <laughs> right. And right. so how they practice gifts is embodying that in which they saw around them. Yeah. Which you could definitely draw a comparison to today in our culture. Right. And how we view gifts and abilities and how we use them and what that means about ourselves. Mm. So, Yeah, and this, you can look all throughout 1 Corinthians, and this isn't, they're doing this with everything. They're not just doing this with spiritual gifts. So you can look, Paul opens the letter talking about the way they're viewing their, their leaders in the church. Yep. And it's very much the same way Corinthian culture outside would view leaders and teachers and philosophers influencers, if you will. <laughs> um, or, or you can look yeah. at the way they're practicing the Lord's Supper, and it's a direct import of the way Corinthian culture at large would use dinner parties uh, to promote social status and things of that. So, so they're yeah. doing this with everything. Yeah, totally. And so Paul, uh, when he talks about spiritual gifts, flips it on its head. He's like, this is not about your personal self-promotion, showing off how spiritual you are. It's not that some gifts mean you're awesome and super spiritual and some are just crappy and you're not super spiritual, like like as if there's an A team and a B team here. Right. You know, he's like, no, gifts are actually about serving the other person. It's about serving the the body. He's like, you're, you're using, ironically, you're using spiritual gifts to cause division and tear the body apart when their entire purpose is to unite the body and serve uh, one another. So he's like, you're ignorant and you need an education. You know, so he writes to help them understand what spiritual gifts are. And I think as you go through, there's lots of things we could highlight, but I think there are three things uh, that Paul highlights that help us see what spiritual gifts uh, are all about. Number one, spiritual gifts are all about Jesus. They're all about Jesus. So, so this is verses 2 and 3 of 1 Corinthians 12. Paul says, You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So basically he says in paganism, you were led astray to worship many different things. But here's what the Holy Spirit does when he's active in your life. He leads you to worship Jesus. Mm. 
So here's the difference between pagan empowerment and Holy Spirit empowerment. Holy Spirit empowerment, spiritual gifts, are all about Jesus. And they point you in that direction. So, so as the Corinthians are using certain gifts to point to themselves as superior to others, like he's like, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. The gifts are not about you and pointing to you and your spirituality. They're about pointing to Jesus, and Jesus is superior. It's not that a gift is superior or a gift makes you superior. A gift is meant to show Jesus is superior because they're all given to us by him. So they're all supposed to be used to serve him. They're, they're all done in his power. So that's what we get unfolding in the next few verses, verses 4 through 6. Paul says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. So in other words, all sorts of different gifts, Corinth, but they're all coming from the same Holy Spirit. And he says, there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. So in other words, there's all sorts of serving, but they're all about the same Lord, the same Jesus. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. God himself is, like, I don't care if you think one gift looks more powerful than another. It's the same God providing the power for all of those different gifts. Notice he invokes the Trinity right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Spirit is giving gifts. They're all about the same Jesus. The God himself is empowering the gifts. The, the triune God is the one at work in all of these gifts. And this leads us to the second thing I think Paul shows us about spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are all of grace. They're all of grace. In other words, what we just saw him say is the Holy Spirit gives you the gift. You didn't earn it. It comes from him. It's used to serve the Lord Jesus, it's not about you, and it's done in the power that he supplies. Like, that's all of grace. You didn't do anything to get the gift, the gift doesn't point to you, and you don't empower the gift. You know, it's it's like if I was to give you a comparison, like spiritual gifts um, are kind of like the way that my children give one another Christmas gifts. Uh, my kids give one another Christmas gifts because I provide the money <laughs> and I help pick it out. The way they give you gifts too. Yeah. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, I, I purchase it and all of that. I even help them wrap it um, and and then they, they give it, you know, uh, to, to one another. Uh, you know, like this is, this is the same thing. Like God gives us the gift. He provides the, the power for us to have and to use the gift like they're they're all of grace i think that leads us to the third thing like like so so gifts are all about jesus they're all of grace uh but what's their purpose like what are they for so first corinthians like what are we gifted for first corinthians 12 and verse 7 to each is given a manifestation of the spirit so a way the spirit shows himself you know a gift each is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. So in other words, uh, again, to go back to the analogy of my kids giving each other Christmas gifts, um, like like the, the reason, the purpose behind it is the same. Like I provide everything my kids need in order to purchase the gifts so that they can give it to one another, so that they can bless one another. So the third thing right here is spiritual gifts are all for the good of the body and the glory of God. And we've been saying that repeatedly in different ways already. But spiritual gifts are all for the good of the body. We are each given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. He shows himself in a special way in our lives 
first of all, I would like to note right there, every one of us is given a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. There's no such thing as an ungifted Christian. Doesn't exist. Amen. And all of our gifts have the same purpose. Uh, Paul says they're they're for the common good. Uh, again, his main metaphor here throughout this chapter is parts of a body. All of the parts of the body work together for the common good. Uh, we can actually, to, to give you like a biblical example of this, we can see this at play in Paul's own life. So if you were to read straight through the New Testament, the first time you would read the term spiritual gifts is in Romans 1. And this is what you read in Romans 1, verses 11 to 12. Paul writes, uh, For I long to see you. So he's talking to Romans he's never met. For I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. I, I don't think, like, like based on the Greek right there, I don't think he's saying, hey, I want to come to you so that I can help you to have some kind of spiritual gift. I think he's saying right there, I want to impart to you the benefit of my spiritual gift that I have. I want to come to you and bless you, strengthen you through the way that God has gifted me. He, he, he the, the, the point... I mean, this is the point of our spiritual gifts, right? To give them to the body for the benefit of the body. It's helpful, I think, when we use the term spiritual gift, it's helpful, I think, uh, not to think of spiritual gifts uh, as a gift given to you, but more as a gift given through you. Uh, again, it's like my kids giving each other Christmas presents. I'm not helping them buy a gift for themselves. Uh, it's, it's a gift that's going to be given through them to mm. others. So we tend to think of spiritual gifts as the Holy Spirit giving me a gift. No, he's giving the body, the church, a gift, and he's giving it through you. Well, and I think the emphasis on everyone being given a gift from Christ for the common good does guard us against pride mm. and a sort of self-centeredness and a attempt to earn our status or position in the community to earn our worth based upon what we're able to provide. And then I think on the other end, it also um, prevents us from a type of self-loathing and underestimation of God's graciousness to all of us and not just to some. Because there are some that we can very easily point to and go, that's their spiritual gift. Or, wow, look at how the Lord uses their spiritual gift. For others, it takes more discernment. It takes more time, right? And both are equal. And so it keeps the Christian from becoming prideful, but it also keeps the Christian from saying, I don't have anything to offer, which is the longer I'm a pastor, I hear a lot of that mm. from people as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, what you're talking about yeah. there is a, a mutuality in yep. spiritual gifts, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not that some are gifted to bless the body, that's but right. that all are, and we bless one another. I think that's exactly what comes out in Paul's next words, actually, in Romans 1. Yes. Um, so the very next thing he says, uh, you know, he said, I long to see you that I may impart some spiritual gift to you to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith both yours and mine. So like, in other words, Paul isn't just saying like, hey, I'm the apostle Paul. 
and I'm going to come to you and bless you with my spiritual gift. He's like, nah, I, I want to be blessed by you and the ways that God has gifted you. This is for the mutual building up of, of one another's faith. Like the, the goal of a spiritual gift is to build up one another's faith, to point each other to Jesus, to encourage one another towards loving and trusting Jesus. I mean, remember, we just said just a moment ago, spiritual gifts are all about Jesus. And, and when we use our gifts in that way, not only is that for the good of one another, but God is glorified through that. I think that comes through really clear uh, in 1 Peter 4. So check this out, 1 Peter 4, verse 10 through 11. Uh, Peter writes, as each has received a gift, so as each person has received a spiritual gift, use it to serve one another, to strengthen one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace, these are all gifts of grace, Whoever speaks is the one who speaks the oracles of God. Whoever serves is the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that, so so here's the reason. You're going to use your gifts to serve one another. You're going to do it to strengthen one another in order that what? In order that what will be the ultimate result? In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. In, In other words, when we serve each other, with our gifts, out of God's power, God's glorified because it's him and his power and his love at work in us. Like when my kids give one another gifts that I've supplied them, like it puts my generosity and love and all of that on display, and I get more enjoyment out of it than they ever do, you know? So... To kind of sum up what we've been saying so far, a spiritual gift is a specific way the Holy Spirit empowers us for ministry in the body. It's it's a way that I serve others, strengthen their faith, point them to Jesus. Uh, it's it's done in God's power so that the body is benefited and He gets the glory. Any other thoughts generally on spiritual gifts before we move into that kind of second question of like how do I discover my spiritual gift? I said it all. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You covered it thoroughly. No, I just didn't. I just didn't know if. Uh, no, I mean, I think the only thing that was coming thoughts. to mind is what you hinted at at the very end and talking about how the spiritual gifts do glorify God. And yet, in that, that's not against our own joy. And right. that is in practicing the gifts that an enjoyment comes, mm. whether it's playing music or being hospitable or teaching or whatever it may be, um, there is a sense in which we live out of who God created us to be and empowered us to be by his um, spirit. And in giving, there is a receiving and a thankfulness that comes. And as we're thankful to the Lord, and as we see the ways that he's gifted us, the our joy and satisfaction increase. And then as we continue to to serve and work. Um, hopefully we continue to point others and we see his glory in new and in beautiful ways. Mm-hmm. And so that's just kind of a beautiful cycle. Yeah. That yeah. comes. Well, and I think, I think it's so essential to see that the joy, the, the godly joy 
uh, in a spiritual gift comes in giving it away for the joy of others. So, like, we all know that experience, right? Like, if we're buying someone a Christmas present or a birthday present or whatever, like, the joy isn't in purchasing it to hang on to it for ourselves. Right. You know, it's in the giving it away. Um, And so, like, the spiritual gift. Like, yeah, you give it to them and they're like, oh, I already have three of these. <laughs> Can I? Oh, I don't need. I don't need to share that. I'd get in trouble for sharing that. I had a story that went along with that. Uh-oh. I've had a couple of uh, womp womp gift giving experiences, <laughs> and I had one recently. Yes. <laughs> well, it makes the point. It does. It does. Oh man, but yeah, but yeah, that's where the the joy um, comes is is not just in the Lord gifting you, but giving that gift away so that it's fulfilling its purpose of pointing others to Jesus. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And I think, and I don't know if you're going to go here, Jonathan, so you can stop me, but I think, yeah, there, there is always going to be a temptation to worship the gift itself. Mm. And that's not only with spiritual gifts. I mean, that's with every gift that God gives us, right. whether that's relationships, whether that's vocation. Yeah. Um, so you name it. So to expand on the gifts that, of creation, yeah. To expand on my metaphor of my kids giving gifts at Christmas. Mm-hmm. So one of the things I have to do when I, especially the younger ones, when I take them shopping, is they want to gravitate towards a gift that they would want, mm-hmm. something that they would enjoy. And part of the whole process, you know. So like if if you know Asher has. Talitha's name and he's buying her a gift. I'm like, bro, I just don't think the toy monster truck is really going to do it for her. Like, you know, like part of it is training them to, to think of the, the other, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and moving in that direction. And so like the temptation to worship the gift itself, the temptation to make the gift about myself, you know, and not about the giving away of it. So that, that's what's happening there. Asher in that, purchasing moment is wanting to make the gift about himself you know and i'm like no 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 no. it's about the one we're we're giving it to and i think that's a similar Mm -hmm. dynamic to what's going on when we're tempted to worship the gift itself magnify ourselves over the is it's it's making the gift about myself instead of the one that it's for yes for the church totally so i'll give i'll give a a really uh I'll give the way I think that happens the most. Because here's the thing, and we'll get into this in future weeks. Paul is going to go really hard in the paint on how the Corinthians are doing that uh, with speaking in tongues. And because that's the one that they're having that issue with, and it's still a controversial gift today, and we'll talk about why in future episodes, I think that that's that's the place people tend to go. They're like, oh, well, speaking tongues, that's a gift that people make all about themselves and elevating their own spirituality. Blah, blah, blah. And sure, yeah, that's a possibility and all of that, but I don't think that that's the gift that happens with the most. I think it's with teaching. Yeah, that's where my mind was going Yeah, you were talking. Yeah, I think it is with teaching. With, with teaching, I think that, and we get warnings about this 
constantly. Think about it. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 is the only place we get the warnings concerning making the gift of speaking in tongues all about yourself. I think there was something very specific about what's going on in the Corinthian environment as to why it was such a problem Mm -hmm. there. Um, But all over the place in Scripture, we get warnings about teaching. Yeah. Yeah. And how easy is it for someone who preaches and teaches the Word of God to make it about themselves and promoting themselves and their own celebrity and glory and blah, 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 or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so that, I think, is a very easy example to see how someone takes a spiritual gift that's supposed to be about Jesus and building up the body and makes it about themselves and building up themselves. Yeah. Dead on. So this may be the part that everybody like skip to or what have not or use John Mark's chapters to, to get to. But uh, the question like, how do I discover my spiritual gifts or, or, or figure out what it is? Do I just get to pick? Is there a test? <laughs> yeah. Show me yeah. the test. Oh. A website I can go to? Oh. Is this like the Enneagram? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you don't get to pick. Uh, that's made clear by verse 11, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. All of these, all of these gifts are empowered by one and the same spirit who appoints to each individually as he wills. So the spirit gives gifts. Um, he appoints them to whatever he wants to, to whomever he wants to for his purposes. We don't get to pick. He does, which Brad, that contributes to what you were talking about earlier about us not being able to boast. Like, yep. I don't have this gift because I'm awesome at whatever. Like, God chose to give me this yep. gift. So so this is not like when Ashley tells me, I really want this for Christmas. You need to buy this for me. <laughs> it's not like that. Well, we, now, can't, we can't do that with the Spirit. Well, we now an interesting thing okay. is that... Uh, Pursue. Opening up yeah, conversation there, here. Yeah, an here interesting, we go. there is a place where Paul talks about pursuing uh, spiritual gifts. but Sure, yeah. But it, it is different from the situation you described in that we all know if our wives really ask for something for Christmas, that means get me this for right. Christmas, right. you know, kind of thing. Right. Um, Twisting of the arm. I'm not <laughs> saying that's happening, that Ashley's doing that. I would never imply that. Oh, so we can pursue, we can ask the Lord and we can pursue giftings, but there's mm-hmm. no guarantee. Like, I mean, he is going yeah. to give to each as he wills. Yep. Well, and the difference, um, because to go with the illustration we've been going with, it's almost <laughs> like your kid's getting a gift and then going back and asking for another gift. But the difference is with God, um, he doesn't run out. Right. <laughs> He's just an endless supply, mm. inexhaustible fountain yeah. of gifts. And so because of that, because of who he is, we can go back right. in pursuit and asking, yeah. knowing that he doesn't get tired of it. Well, and I do think <laughs> I do think one of the questions to ask ourselves in that whole pursuit of spiritual gifts is why. Exactly. And we're back to, yep. Yeah, so if I'm pursuing mm. it because, like, I want this gift because I want to be perceived a certain way or look a certain way, I, I, I got some questions. But if it's like, I recognize there are needs in my body. Hey, Lord, there are needs in my body for uh, teachers. So I'm going to pursue the gift of teaching and ask for you to help me to to be equipped. Or there, I see a need here in my body. I see people that need to be blessed in this way. I see, you know, I think that that's part of at least the idea behind the pursuit of gifts because the whole point is for the building up of the body for for the glory of the Lord. Yep. Yeah. So 
We're back to our same question. How do I discover my gift? Like, is there some kind of list I can look at? Scripture does obviously have several lists. actually debated how many lists it has. Mm. Four or five, most people would ask. But, But there's one right here in 1 Corinthians 12, so I'll just read that verses 8 to 10, uh, for, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. It's a gift. Uh, another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, interpretation of tongues. So, so this is one of the lists in scripture. And here's here's the interesting thing. If you actually pull up different lists from scripture and compare them, no two lists are the same. Mm-hmm. No no two lists are identical. In other words, there's no official list, you know, of gifts in scripture. It seems like all of the gifts that are listed could be said to fall into one of two big categories. Okay, and that would be, and, and I'm taking this from the the list that we get in First Peter four, mm-hmm. um, and that's gifts of speaking, and gifts of serving. So there seem mm-hmm. to be generally gifts that involve some type of speech, and gifts that involve some type of action. You know, so those are kind of two broad categories, but but none of these lists are exactly the same. And I think I think what that means is that these lists are meant to be examples. Mm-hmm. These are examples of gifts. In other words, they're not exhaustive. I don't think you can take all the lists of gifts of Scripture and cross-reference them, add them together, and come up with, <laughs> here's the list of all of the spiritual gifts. I forget how many it actually is. It's 20-something, I think. Um and, and this is the list of spiritual gifts, and these are all the ways in which the Spirit gifts people, and, and that's... That's it. I'm not saying that these lists aren't important. I think they give us, I think they're meant to give us a breadth of examples of ways the Spirit can work. But but the point of any way, any gift that the Spirit gives or empowers you for is ministry in the the body. He's empowering you to strengthen the faith of others and to point them towards Jesus. And so I think the ways in which the Spirit can do that are virtually virtually limitless. Um, I mean, how many unique individuals are there in right. the body yeah. of Christ? So how many unique ways can the Spirit work to minister to one another and point people to to Jesus? So I think what's happening in, in 1 Corinthians 12 is Paul is like, hey, we're talking about manifestations of the Spirit. Here's what I mean. Here are some examples of that, you know? Um, but I think it can show up in... A multitude of ways. I think yeah. it can even show up through uh, natural giftings, right? So, so in other words, some people want to draw a really hard line between what we would call natural talents and spiritual gifts. I used to do that at one point in my life. So, so in other words, like a natural talent would be something you're born with that, like maybe you surely you like develop it over time. But I think we would all agree there are some people who have natural proclivities towards certain things, whether that's being more athletic or more musically inclined or analytic. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever, you know? Um, so that would be like a natural or or singing, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. 
So some people, you know, natural talent is something you're more kind of like born with, even though you can develop it. A spiritual gift, uh, people would draw this hard line and say, well, that's something you're given at your new birth, you know, by the Holy Spirit of God. And, and that's true, but these things can often be related. Um, so in other words, I think that the Spirit can seize upon a gifting that you already had, a talent you already had, and now manifest himself through that in a way that points people to Jesus. Mm-hmm. So to give you a biblical example, I think we see that through the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is very gifted intellectually. He's very gifted in his writing, in his teaching, and he clearly was that before he became a believer in Jesus. You know, he was he tells us that he was excelling beyond all of his peers in Judaism. You know, mm-hmm. outpacing everybody. But then he becomes a believer in Jesus and the Holy Spirit seizes upon all of that knowledge he has. All of those analytical tools that he gained through his education seizes upon all of that and leverages all of it for the glorification of Jesus and the good of the body. And probably a certain type of personality right. to do what he did. Yeah. You know? Oh, 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. 100%. Um, but to give maybe a biblical example of somebody who didn't have that, that clearly it's just the Holy Spirit showing up in crazy ways in their life, uh, might be Peter. I mean, Peter has a, he is a fisherman. He does not have Paul's education on any level. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the Holy Spirit powerfully works through him in preaching mm-hmm. And teaching to the point that in Acts 4, like, the religious leaders are recognizing that. Like, who in the world are these people that don't have schooling? Yeah. You know? Um, But I don't think we could say, well, the Spirit's more at work in Peter's case than he is in Paul's case. Yeah. He's at work in, in both. And so I just, what I'm trying to do through all of this is just widen the scope of how we think about the spirit gifting us that it's not just this narrow list of specific yep. things um and I've got to discount any way I was naturally talented right know, or whatever um I mean we have uh, at Shades Valley we support 100 fold which are missionaries that were commissioned out of Shades Valley Community Church and they use their talents in architecture for the furtherance of God's kingdom mm-hmm I would argue that that is a manifestation of the spirit for the good of the body and the glory of Christ. And we're talking about architecture mm-hmm. that is not on any of the lists <laughs> in yeah. the Bible, you yeah. know? Um, and so like, I'm, j- I'm just trying to widen our scope of how we think about this, but, th- but the question remains, yeah. right? I've done all of that and still haven't like really answered this question. Like <laughs> how, well, Go go ahead. Can man. I add one yeah, more yeah, yeah. thing go too? Ahead, I don't, well, you might get to it, so forgive me. But I think too, um, and you touched on this a little bit in pursuit of the gifts. But sometimes I think, even in approaching this question, we can think, okay, God's probably given me one or two spiritual gifts. I need to find that, and then I have it, and then right. that's it. That's and it. It's kind of like I'm on lockdown. Yeah. And like these are my two gifts, and then I'll just exercise these gifts, and. I think from what we see in scripture, I think from testimony of Christians that there are moments that the spirit comes and empowers us 
for example, with a gift of hospitality, 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 or a spirit comes empowers us and gives us a word of wisdom yeah. or a word of prophecy. Or I can remember um, listening to a theologian who was Episcopalian. So you wouldn't expect to hear this from an Episcopalian theologian, but he talked about a season in his life where he was experiencing a lot of loss, a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. And during that season, he began praying in tongues, but it was just for a season. And he talked about it happened. It was N.T. Wright. You can look on YouTube for the video. He talks about it. But he said it happened for that season, and then it went away. And so that's just an example of the Spirit coming upon someone, giving them a a gift for a moment, for a season, for a period, uh, for a specific event. And then uh, maybe that gift either, you know, not I want to say going away, but um, it not being the static fixed thing in their life. And I think that's where maybe when we rag on spiritual gifts test, I Mm -hmm. think maybe that's where there's a little bit of concern. There's the list piece of like, okay, well, we have these predefined lists, which you've already talked about. Then there's also kind of an idea behind that, that you have one or two gifts or maybe your top three or what have you. Right. And it's stuck and static. And then you just need to pursue those things for the rest of your life. I think that's where some of the, you know, we can be a little sarcastic and sure. But like, I get there's good intent behind it, but I think maybe that's some of the concern. Yeah. Yeah. Related to that, and we might talk about this uh, in some coming weeks, but related to that is even if there is like uh, a gifting that we have that we would say probably like characterizes someone's uh, uh, way they minister to the body throughout their life. Yeah. So like someone with a gift of teaching mm-hmm. and they're a teacher throughout their entire life. One of the things that I think is important is spiritual gifts are spiritually empowered. Like, you're not. Yes. Uh, it, it even if you have been gifted in the spirit in that way, it doesn't mean like uh, you're a hundred percent effective in that at all times and all places and in everywhere. Exactly. Like, like the spirit has got to work. It's the spirit working through. Uh, like I can stand up and teach, and uh, the Holy Spirit can move in powerful ways, or I can stand up and teach in my own flesh. And get in the way of the spirit's work, or quench the spirit, or you know, like, like I just it, it's it's just like what you were talking about, Brad. Like it's yeah. a much more dynamic, yes, thing. Yes, um, somebody who's gifted in evangelism doesn't mean that every person they share the gospel with gets saved. Exactly. You know, somebody mm-hmm. somebody who we might describe as having a gift of healing, and this is a fun one that we can talk about a lot in coming weeks. But one of the one of the pushbacks I hear against the idea of someone being gifted in healing is this idea: Does well, if someone's gifted in healing, then why don't they walk down to the hospital and just walk through all yeah. the rooms and touch everybody so they all get healed? And I'm like, we have other than the Lord Jesus, <laughs> and even He didn't do that, right? I mean, he on purpose didn't do that. But other than the Lord Jesus, we have never seen someone where the gift of healing, quote unquote, looked that way. But I think we would all talk about various figures in Scripture having the gift of healing. Did Paul have the gift of healing? I mean, did Peter have the gift of healing? I mean, I think we would all say, yeah, 100%. Yep. But we get situations like... um when Paul writes his letter to the Philippians, it's a thank you letter uh, because the Philippians sent Epaphroditus to bring Paul a gift. And Paul tells us in that letter, hey, when Epaphroditus got here with the gift, he got so sick, he almost died. Right, yeah. Well, I'm like, well, why didn't you heal him, Paul, if you got the gift of healing? That's not how it works. Right. 
You know, it, that's never how something like that has worked. Mm-hmm. It, it, the Spirit wields these gifts as He wills. Mm-hmm. So, so I just think that we have to recognize that spiritual gifts are a lot more dynamic. Yep. Less static, like you were saying. Yes. I think that gifts can be pursued and develop mm-hmm. over time. So a, a testimony from my own life. Um, very early on, uh, I had, and I, I can talk about this in just a minute if we want. I don't know how long we've gone. Have we gone way too long? Um, uh, probably less than an hour okay, still. Okay, okay. Um, I, I had the gift of teaching called out in me by others. It was not something that I thought that I had. It was something that was observed, and people began to encourage me in that. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but so I would say from the time I was 18 years old, I would have recognized and said, yeah, I think the Spirit has gifted me to teach. Um, and fast forward a decade later, I show up at Shades Valley Community Church 28 years old, and if you'd asked me, Jonathan, how are you gifted? I'd be like, well, I'm gifted in teaching. I am not gifted in what my father is gifted in. My father is insanely gifted in mercy. He can enter into suffering and hurting situations, especially in hospitals and things of that nature, and just, he's incredible. Um, the Spirit has not gifted me in that way. Uh, I might, I would have said, uh, I'll come visit you in the hospital, but you'll probably feel worse after I visited <laughs> you. Like, I would have said that. Over the last 11 years at Shades Valley Community Church, I think this is a way the Spirit has worked in my life and um, and developed giftings to where I, I am now drawn towards situations, towards people in the midst of suffering. I want to be there with you in the hospital. I want to enter into that. I am honored to be there. I don't feel awkward. I don't feel weird. Um, and I pray that the Lord is working through that to bring a comforting presence. But I would say, like, that's that's the Lord's work in my heart and my life in developing, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's another encouragement for Christians that tend to be down on themselves and think they have nothing to offer or that I don't have a certain gifting. I just can't do that. I mean, there is a certain wisdom in knowing ourselves. But there also is a sense in which the Spirit might call us and put us in a position where there's a need in which we don't feel equipped. (laughs) And we practice with discernment and we seek others' wisdom, but then we also trust that the Spirit can work and move, and He often does, through our weakness Mm -hmm. and not just our strength, as you talked about earlier. So, yeah, it's a good word. Yeah, and so I I think, you know, uh, keeping in mind all of that that we've talked about uh, is important as we move into, so how do I discern i think is the right word yeah brad how do i discern how the spirit has gifted me is gifting me and calling me to minister to others in the body of christ we've mentioned spiritual gifts tests before should i take a test i uh i have a history of dogging these things pretty bad um i might not be as harsh as i used to be but i'm still not a fan (laughs) (laughs) i'm still not a fan i'm not saying they're all bad Right. That can um, be helpful in some way. But right. we mentioned some of the concerns yeah. as to why. So, yeah. So, they're they're typically limited to the specific gifts listed in Scripture. It's not going to help you think outside of those lists. Um, they can be misleading. When you take tests like this, you tend to answer questions according to your wants and desires. So, yep. I, I took tests like this when I was, like, in middle school and early high school. And our, our youth group would do this kind of thing. I never tested as, quote-unquote, having the spiritual gift of teaching, ever, because I naturally did not want to do that. 
mm-hmm. and didn't, you know, and I would answer it. So any question that had to do with teaching, I'd be like, nope, not that <laughs> kind of thing. So, yep. so yeah, and just on a real basic level, um, I don't think this is what Paul or any of the apostles would encourage us to do in order to discern spiritual gifts. I have a really hard time seeing Paul or Peter go passing out tests <laughs> at Corinth. <laughs> like, all right, everybody, fill these out. They're going to help you figure this out. <laughs> oh, so what should we do? What should we do? Uh, I just got three quick things for you. Number one, pray. The Spirit is the one who gives you these gifts. God has given you these gifts. So ask him, God, how have you gifted? He's not playing hide and seek with your spiritual. He gives it to you because he wants you to use it. So ask him. Pray about it. Second, uh, listen to the body. Listen to the, the body. God has placed people around you who can affirm the gifts that they see at work in you. So, so listen to this, 1 Timothy 4.14. Uh, Paul writes to Timothy and says, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Like the elders prophesied over Timothy concerning his gifting. They laid hands on him. They confirmed. They affirmed it. Um, They said, Timothy, we see this gifting in you. God has made clear to us you're gifted in this way. And they laid their hands on him and prayed for him to use that, that gift. Uh, Paul says to Timothy, the body has seen this gift in you. Don't don't neglect it. Um, people affirm gifts in you. Listen, listen to the body. This I already shared this earlier, but this is very much the way that I came into ministry at a young age. I I by circumstances ended up leading a Bible study when I was 17 years old, not even intending to, and I just had Christians around me, and the church began calling out things in me and encouraging me and giving me more opportunities and leading me in certain directions, and it was just the way that the Spirit worked to affirm giftings in me. John Mark, how old were you the first time you sat behind a drum set in a church? Probably six or in the seven. womb, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I think six years old, yeah. seven years old. I mean, this is this is the church giving you opportunities, seeing and recognizing giftings, affirming those, calling those out in you, Brad. Mm. Do you, I'm putting you on the spot, but like, was there anyone along the way who saw certain things and began to affirm certain things in you and in your life that led you helped with your journey into ministry? Yeah, I mean, I think about the. I was in high school, but it was a middle school pastor that started meeting with me, and kind of uh, took me under his wing, and saw some pastoral skills that are gifting that he uh, wanted to develop in me. So, mm. Josh McAllister, if you're listening, yeah, he. I actually ran into him. We were at a conference in Chicago, uh-huh. and there's like two thousand people in the room. Yeah, yeah. And we, you were right next to me, and we I literally ran into each other. That's hilarious. Like hit each other and then back, and we we're like, "Whoa!" Hadn't seen him in several <laughs> years. Crazy. But yeah, just to add on to what you're saying, like try it, try it out, see how it goes. Lead a Bible study, like so, so Brad. That's actually where I'm going. Now. Oh man. <laughs> Well, we're just so in tune with each other, but oh, you know, I think I, I, I just want to tell everybody I said that right now because we had a joke conversation before all this <laughs> happened. Um, that that I say that a lot <laughs> when we have these kind of conversations. It's mm-hmm. true. 
I mean, I think John Mark really resonate with this. I think sometimes uh, churches can emphasize having a culture of excellence so much that there's no room for the development of gifting and disciples, and there's no room for people to try something out. You know, I'm not talking about not being discerning. I'm not talking about putting people in a position where they're not ready. You know, of course we do all of that, but can there be some space in the church where we can try something and fail? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. That's just part of developing. That's part of growing. And that's part of discerning, okay, Lord, how have you gifted me? What do I enjoy doing? What do I not like doing? And if we can be a church that's supportive and encouraging and create that space, then that can provide room for people to figure it out. Yeah, literally the last thing I have written down here is serve. So you you pray, listen to the body, and serve. In other words, I think there's this concept often of like, I need to sit back and first discern what, how I'm gifted, and then I can move into serving the body. And I'm like, nah, it, it usually actually works the other way around. You just jump in and start serving. Yep. Well, and I think it goes back to what you were saying about self-assessment. So many times we don't assess ourselves rightly. And so, you know, maybe the first time you lead a Bible study, you step away from it and you go, oh my gosh, that was awful. I am never doing that again. And while you're thinking those thoughts, someone comes up to you and goes, man, that was so good. Mm. Like, thank you so much for that. That really blessed me. And you're like, what? (laughs) You know? Yeah. So, I mean, jump in and serve. Like, uh, so for me as a kid, um, I played uh, every sport my parents put me in. Uh, I played baseball, basketball, football, ran track at some point, did all of these different things. Um, But as I got older, those things began to fall off one by one until by the time I'm in middle school, late middle school, early high school, all that's left is I'm playing basketball. Mm -hmm. Well, what happened was a process of discernment, (laughs) a process of realizing, hey, baseball was fun while I was little, but I'm not. I'm not up to snuff with these other guys <laughs> out here or whatever, or this, but yeah. basketball. Okay. I, I can play this. I can keep up here. I've got some talent. And and so it's kind of like that, like jump in and serve. And y- you don't know if you uh, are gifted to work with kids, jump in and serve. You'll figure it out real quick. Yes, you will. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so, so to sum up, I, I think the way we discern the different ways uh, the Lord has gifted us um, is prayer. Ask him. Listen to the body. Ask other people. How, how do you see the Lord working in me and give to me? We have done this before as a staff. Like the three of us have sat around a fire at a pastoral staff retreat <laughs> and called out one another the ways we see God at work and we gifting did. and growing us and things of like that. So yeah, ask ask one another. You know, how do you see the Lord at work in me? And then just jump in and and serve. Yeah. You know, if if you know how the Lord has gifted you, use it for the good of the body and the glory of God to strengthen the faith of, of others. You know, if not, pray, ask others, jump in and serve. Like like we want to see everybody at Shades Valley Community Church lovingly exercising uh the, the power that we want to see the spirit working through you for the good of one another. L- last thing I'll say on this is it's not a big deal if you can't name it. Like if you can't put a label on your gift, that's not what's important. What's important is 
is the spirit at work through you to point others to Jesus? You know, and maybe that comes across in a way that you're like, I don't know what to call this. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You ain't got to call it anything. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's, that is not the point, you know, um, you're looking for ways that the spirit works to point other people to Jesus. So, yep, that's it. We solved it. I love it. Do you want to, uh, not an overview, but do you want to tell people where we're going for these next three episodes? Yeah, just so, real quick. Right, right, right. So next episode um, on spiritual gifts, we will specifically talk through the example. So we're given the examples in scripture for a reason. Mm-hmm. So we will talk through examples and kind of be like, flesh out a little bit more as you're thinking through how is the spirit gifted me? We'll flesh out a little bit more these examples because I think that helps you to think through different ways the Spirit shows up, you know, in our lives. So that'll be the next episode. Uh, But we will save those most, uh, quote-unquote, controversial gifts, uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy for the final two episodes because they are the ones that people have the most questions about. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to dedicate an episode to each of those, defining what they are, how they show up within the church, what does practice of them look like at Shades Valley Community Church, all of those kinds of things. Um, so, yeah, that's where we're headed. And and I'll give some book recommendations along the way. I'm sure you guys will have some uh, as well, and we'll give some on uh, spiritual gifts in general and on these specific more kind of quote-unquote controversial topics and that kind of thing. That's right, and as always, here at Shades Midweek, you are part of the conversation. So send us an email, midweek at shadesvalley.org. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Give us your thoughts, questions, those kinds of Concerns. things. Concerns. <laughs> Any Presbyterians out there? What are you, what are you thinking? <laughs> I love it. And just a quick update. We are drawing closer and closer, and it is becoming more of a reality that we're going to finally record our episode on Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> Sean, Mark, you sound so excited. Get ready for that, folks, because it's coming up. Thank God. It is on the calendar, Woo! I believe. Yep. <laughs> Pretty sure. Yeah. It's on the calendar, and we are very excited, and it's, it's going to happen in the next month. So... Get ready. I gotta start listening to that play. Talk about controversy. <laughs> right. Well, thank you everybody for listening. We will see you again next time.